is this a good investment? And a lot of it is not necessarily just about the returns and things like that. It's it's really is it going to help you achieve what your goals are? You know, when do you want to retire? When do you want to be able to maybe be financially independent, not necessarily retire, but know that you could stop working if you had to? Because not everybody necessarily wants to stop working, but knowing that you have that financial freedom. Listen, to make successful business owners spend most of our waking hours working in our businesses in order to keep the money flowing and protect everything we put in our one basket. We're making great money, but we still yearn for that truly passive, earn-while-you-sleep income we desired when we first went down the entrepreneurial journey. We could put it back into our businesses, but then the cycle seems to continue. Our goal really should be to have multiple income streams that don't rely on our daily involvement. The problem is we don't know where to put it or who to trust. This show focuses on ways business owners and professionals can put their hard-earned profits to work so that your investments help reduce your tax bill and produce truly passive income today that you can enjoy. We're going to discuss business, tax strategies, entrepreneurial journeys, and investing in assets that make sense to business owners, all while not giving up control to Wall Street or a financial advisor. I'm Brian O'Neill, and welcome to the Harder Working Money Podcast. Welcome back to the Harder Working Money Podcast. So my episode today is a little different. A few weeks ago, I was able to be a co-host on the Adventures Investment Summit in Scottsdale, Arizona, where we had 40 real estate professionals and other people in the real estate industry get together for a four-day meeting and mastermind. Now, one of those attendees was Kathy Burse, and she is a private wealth advisor that's moved into the world of real estate. So if you've heard my other episodes, I sort of hammer on financial advisors and things like that because I don't feel they offer all the options to their clients. So Kathy sort of straddles both worlds. And so it was a really interesting conversation to talk with someone that is in Private Wealth Advisor, but also is reaching out to try to offer more investments and a broader range of opportunities to her clients, as opposed to the traditional wealth advisor or financial planner. So check out this interview and see what you think. Okay, we're here at the Harder Working Money Podcast, and we are actually in Scottsdale, Arizona today. As you can see in the background, if you're watching the video, we are doing the Adventures Investment Summit, which I'm lucky enough to be a part of helping found along with the Montalongos. And there's 40 people here interested in various aspects of real estate, whether raising money for it or asset managing or GPing their own deals. And one of the guests here is Kathy Burse. And she's an interesting person I wanted to talk to because she comes from the financial world as a wealth manager a wealth advisor, correct? And she has the inside scoop of that industry. And she is here because she's involved in real estate and wants to expand those things. So welcome on the podcast. Thank Appreciate you. It. So can you just describe like what a private wealth advisor is and how that differs from like a financial planner or financial advisor? Well, so a, a regular financial advisor or financial planner, you know, we all look at things from a comprehensive perspective and help people in all areas. But a private wealth advisor really sort of takes it to the next level helping clients really take a look at tax strategies, estate planning strategies, and even from an investment perspective, taking a look at other things that are not your typical stock, bonds, mutual funds, and looking at alternative investments as well. Okay. So like my experience with a financial advisor was slightly different than that. I felt that the pool of things that was being offered was sort of tailored or restricted. Like how does that differ among advisors, basically, or depending on who they work with? It can be, especially if an advisor is with a broker-dealer. There's certain firms where they basically can only offer what's on their platform. What would be a firm? Like, what would be the name of a firm? You so have to... a closed firm would be someone like an Ameriprise. Okay. Uh, basically, you can only offer what's on their platform. Okay. 
Um, there are independent broker-dealers like a LPL Financial, which would actually allow you to offer more and sometimes some stuff outside their platform, but also there are some limitations with their platform as well. I'm currently, I was previously with a what they call a hybrid RAA, which is, I was a RAA being a registered investment advisor, and I was with an RAA, which is external from the broker-dealer. Uh, and the broker-dealer, so they offer different things. With the RAA, I can offer different types of investments. And then on the broker-dealer platform, uh, a lot of it was more commission-based versus fee-based. Okay. And if someone's using a financial advisor of some sort, like, do they have to ask that? Like, that, because it's sort of, it's a gray area in the background of like, oh, the back office. And like, it's not really, they don't want to talk about, I think, what the pool of offerings and... Well, it's a question you should be asking your advisor. Okay. Are they, is there some bias to the investment that they're going to be offering to you, you know, and also how do they get compensated? Those are things that will sort of help you to tell. You'll hear fiduciary, which is what sort of I fell into. And I was skeptical, I guess you would say. And I think the word, oh, I'm a fiduciary, sort of put me at ease. And I didn't realize that didn't mean that the offerings weren't restricted that I was still being offered, I guess you would say, if that well, makes sense. Like, I mean, they're, they're, Yes, they had to pick the best of what was available, but what was available was still restricted, I guess. Correct, yeah. So, I mean, fiduciary is to do what's really what's in the best interest of the client, not what's in the best of the advisor. So, ultimately, when they say that they're fiduciary, they are doing the best that they can based in their realm. Got it. And so, you're looking for an advisor that actually isn't restricted and can offer things that are outside that is not on necessarily on the platform. So, what's your goal here? You've previously been personally involved in real estate. Now you're looking to expand those out for clients or what's your what's your end game? I've had access to investments that I have not been able to offer to my clients. And I got to a point where, you know, I've got a lot of clients that I work with that are pre-retirees and retirees. And, you know, I wanted to start doing more types of investments that provided more cash flow. And you don't get that same kind of cash flow with stock bonds and mutual funds because they're, you know, they're just the rates just aren't there. So you want to combine, and I'm saying don't necessarily do stocks and bonds, but diversify the portfolio and using alternatives that have higher yields to be able to provide higher income for clients. So in real estate, people that are sort of used to the stock and bond market, they're like, oh, I, I put money in REITs. Like, how is that different than what you're talking about? So REIT is still actually really, because a lot of time, well, there's private REITs, which are a little bit different, and then necessarily like a public REIT that might be in an exchange-traded fund or a mutual fund. Those are still affected by the stock market. Yeah. Where holding your physical real estate is very different. You control when you want to sell it, you know, when you want to, you know, increase the rents on it. You have a lot more control over it. I mean, they control what they're going to do with that. But the flow of money going in and out of the REIT is based on the stock market. You know, it's not based on somebody saying you've got to hold it. You know, that's the, the thing with alternatives is the illiquidity. Because there, in some cases, the illiquidity is actually protecting, hopefully protecting the investor because you don't want to be pulling out money that might not be the right time to be able to do that, to support that investment. Yeah, because REITs hold properties. They could hold multifamily. Yeah. However, they're, like you said, they're liquid. So you can go and sell your your shares of that REIT and they have to, you know, obviously be liquid. And if too many people request those, they're being forced to then sell properties when is not ideal because they need to return money back to these, you know, basically it's sort of like a stock basically right. in, in, you know, non-technical terms in, in that way. And as opposed to you are a percentage owner of the actual asset that you're investing in. 
REITs, you're not a percentage owner in the asset, you're a percentage owner technically in the right. well, in, in the get, company that holds the asset, but right. not... And you also don't get the same tax benefits yes. that you do by physically owning the asset itself. Got it. Yeah. So all the depreciation, and yeah. these bonus depreciation things we're learning about don't flow through to you because you're not a... Yeah. And when you start working with higher net worth clients, those are things that they're definitely going to be looking at is how do I reduce my taxes? And finding investments that will allow them to do that in your typical stocks, bonds, mutual funds is not going to get you that kind of tax treatment that you're hoping to look for. So yeah, you have to look at other alternative strategies. With your experience in wealth management and advising, what do you tell people from what you know about how wealthy people invest versus what the average nine to five or W2 person how they typically invest. And I, I feel like advisors are sort of in the middle. They, they're offering products that are a lot of stocks and bonds and things like that, yet they're trying to offer better advice than... You're, you're sort of driving down the middle of what wealthy people do with you know what we're learning about and I want to call it the retail market, basically. And one of the reasons why you have to you know ask a lot of questions to your advisor because you know the majority of advisors are out there you know, probably don't have a lot of higher network clients. And so they're not taking their their knowledge and level to the, a higher level. One of the reasons that I've kind of veered off to trying to do things different is because I've invested personally in real estate. So that alone has given me a lot of experience to, for clients that want to get involved in real estate, even how to, you know, own their own properties, how to look for tenants, how to, you know, just all the things you would need to do because I've had that experience where a lot of advisors don't. So they won't promote it necessarily because you, you basically promote what you're most comfortable with. For me, I like to figure out what else is out there that I'm not offering my clients that could be a benefit to my clients. And in most cases, I'm looking for things that can help them on taxes. And that's where the real estate uh, is one of the reasons why I took that avenue to switching the current RA then with or previously with to a new RAA to offer more alternative investments to clients. Got it. I didn't realize that was an option for, for people to do, that you could switch your registered, registered investment. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, you could even go on on your own and be your own RAA. Oh, got it. Um, the only reason I didn't do that myself is one, then you're on an island yourself, yeah. you know, and you don't have a, a team behind you to support you. And the other reason is then you also have all this compliance you have to deal with versus having people that support you with the compliance part of it. So where do you want to be in five years with this? Like what's your... Uh, my goal is to to be able to continue to work with higher net worth clients, but also offer them as much as I can to help them from a tax perspective. So I ultimately want to work with less people, but hire more net worth people to really focus and get more into the details with them on it. Okay. I just have to jump in here real quick. I hope you're loving this episode as much as I am. This show is sponsored by my company, Passive Capital Partners. If you agree with the advice and philosophies we discussed on the show and want to go deeper, visit business2wealth.com and sign up with us and receive monthly advice and investment opportunities that are specifically tailored for business owners and professionals. Also, to get all my content to stay up to date, make sure to follow me on social media at Brian O'Neill Investor. And finally, follow and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app or YouTube. Okay, back to the episode. What tax perspectives are you looking to help them with? Like what, what's the particular issue they're facing you're trying to solve? Yeah. I mean, so for like business owners, when they sell a business, I mean, they're going to have a huge capital gain. So how can they reduce that tax for high income earners? You know, they're paying a lot. I mean, if anything, when, you know, kind of the, 
you get business owners, investors, individuals, and they're the, they're in the highest tax bracket because of the fact that they don't really have a lot of tax write-offs. So how do they get to be able to reduce their income? You know, so there's a lot of different strategies that you can do with real estate, oil and gas, and you know other different things that are out there to be able to help them to, to do that. Yeah, oil and gas is what I use as a business owner for sure. And that was the first one I did. It's slightly higher risk, but when you factor in the tax savings, the returns don't have to be that great to basically return where you would be without the tax savings. The tax savings are incredible. They offset, you know, basically all my different sources of income. Yeah. So, and the thing is, is people have to look at, you know, there's certain investments that you're doing for return and there's certain investments that you may be doing just for taxes. And there's certain ones that may do a combination of both. And so the goal is, it's really understanding what people's goals are and what they're trying to achieve. And so, you know, one of the things is taking a look at their tax return and finding things that they, you know, maybe haven't worked with their tax accountant on. Because a lot of times, a lot of the accountants that they work with are tax preparers. They're not tax planners. And so our goal is, you know, we don't uh, do taxes, but we do tax planning. You know, for me, I guess the thing is I, I want to try to differentiate what differentiates me from other advisors. And a big part of that is, you know, I think the education in terms of what I go through, you know, that's why I got my CFP. I have my CPWA, C CLU, CHFC, um, and just con even more with continu continuation with the multifamily and doing a lot of education in that area to um, get better. Because I was doing mo mostly two family, three families when I started in real estate. I hadn't really looked at apartment investing. And that's when I realized, oh, my God, there's a whole nother world out there um, because I didn't have partners to necessarily invest. But by investigating in this avenue, I've been able to find people to partner with. But it also gave me an opportunity to bring in clients um, to be able to say, hey, here's some investments that, you know, maybe they don't want to they want to own real estate, but they don't necessarily want to have to deal with any of the, you know, what they, I guess they call the, you know, Tenants, toilets, tenants. and I can't remember what the third one is, termites or something like that? Termites, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've dealt with all that stuff even on the two, three families. I've dealt with, you know, asbestos, you name it. I've, you know, I've gone through all the things. And that's actually one of the reasons is I started selling all my properties because I'm like, you know what? I'm done with real estate. I just, I don't, I can't scale it at this level. Uh, but then when I got involved in learning more about the multifamily, that's where I was like, okay, this is the way to be able to scale it and be able to to grow up. Because to me, I'm looking at not just for uh, myself, but clients in terms of how to create more passive income. You know, I, I would love to be able to be a point, you know, not to say that I don't want to work because I love what I do. And um, it's something I could do forever. But I also know that I want to be able to know that if I want to walk away, I could walk away. Yeah, I think that's the goal of some of the people I focus on too as business owners as well that never reach the point they're stuck in the entrepreneur myth where they wanted to build something that ran without them and they end up building a company around them they love what they do but they want to like let off the accelerator a little bit it's like how do you do that well you have to figure out how to get yourself out of your business which sounds easy but it sometimes people can't figure it out like I, I didn't truly figure it out I started three companies by the third one I got closer but what do you do if you don't have the option to three, four, five different iterations of your business. Like, okay, well, a lot of people are still making great money. So my focus is on like, okay, you're making great money. You've built a business around yourself, which we're just going to stick with. How can you use what you're making to build other sources of income, basically, and other exit strategies as far as retirement, instead of this one nest egg that produces great money, but 
something come along and just crack that egg and then ev- you have no other plan beyond that business and it's all based around you yeah so, so i mean there's different paths you can take to get there but i think some people sort of settle at that point like okay i make three hundred thousand dollars a year i have a business i'm just gonna wait till i turn 65 and hope i can sell it and it's like that sounds great but i think they hit a point which is where i hit like I need to decide now if I'm going to do that or if I'm going to take a different route. And I decided to take that different route. So that's what. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing too is to, and one of the things that I want to be able to do is to help people to look at that avenue that, that, that exists out there where a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, no they idea. Get I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea until I randomly started going to conferences because I had sold a business. I was trying to place the money. I, again, being a passive investor, just like, oh, I'll, I'll see this when I'm 65. And like, wait a second, there's a room with several hundred people doing exactly why I had no idea it was possible. And every single one of them, almost every single person I talked to in real estate or alternate investments did, did not start, start there. there. They started in business or type, some kind of corporate career. It's like, oh, this is these are the people that figured it out. So I want to learn from them. So Yeah. And I, I think, and that's the other thing too, is as the entrepreneurial spirit, you have to continue to to learn and grow and 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 just keep educating yourself because you just don't know what the options are until, you know, either... You know, and that's one of the reasons of, you know, being able to network with different people, because you'll learn things that you never heard of uh, from other people. And that's why I continue to try to, you know, uh, constantly learning as I go along, because then the more I learn, the more I provide value to other people. Yeah, I think a lot of business owners sit in silos as well. They're either alone in their business and everyone's a competitor, or maybe they have whatever trade or business or industry they're in has an industry group. And a few times a year, they get together and they don't compete with each other because they're in different states. And then you go back to being alone again, where this industry is different, that everyone comes, I feel like, from different industries. And yes, you're competing against each other, but there's so many different markets and different specialty niches that... It's a, it's a little different when you say about competing, because in, in most cases, you know, yeah, there may be a property to compete on, but they're not... Most people here, they've learned from other people and they want to give back. They have a give back spirit, yeah. you know, spirit. And then that's the one thing I really enjoy about this is everyone is willing to help other people because they knew somebody else helped them. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I continue in this environment to kind of learn more and be able to help other people as well and give back. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I feel like a lot of people in your career don't continue to go out. I mean, you base your boots on the ground out there looking to see like, hey, I've done this personally, how can I get this to my clients? And I want to meet the actual operators and get into the industry that I'm advising people to put money into, as opposed to just, I don't know how it works in your industry, but I imagine these products that are offered at broker dealers, you get a a lunch and learn and you start offering it or not offering it. I don't know. Is that true? Or how do you, how do these products get pitched? You know, it's, it's interesting. You do you have wholesalers that come in and pitch their products, but ideally you really should investigate what's else is out there besides just that product and compare. Cause like anything, when you're looking at investing in a multifamily, what are you going to look at? You're going to look at how the deal's being managed in terms of you know, who the sponsors are. You're going to look at what kind of debts on the property, you know, all the details that you need to, to know, same sort of thing with, you know, anybody who's going to offer you a product is to sort of ask them, is there anything better out there? Or what else would you offer besides just, just that one product? Or what else have you looked at, yeah. I guess, to see? Because yeah. if they haven't looked at much, you can probably sniff out that maybe they're not doing the due diligence that you obviously do. And yeah. Yeah. Well, I, said, I find also sometimes some advisors, 
they work with one wholesaler and not necessarily look at all the other wholesalers because there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of stuff that you have to, to go through and learn. And it's sometimes I think people get comfortable with where they're going. But my goal is, is, you know, really look at what else is out there because sometimes there will be something better and taking a look at, you know, just comparing it, you know, just even for, for a, a self-check to know, is this, a, is this a good investment? And a lot of it is not necessarily just about the returns and things like that. It's, it's really, is it going to help you achieve what your goals are? You know, when do you want to retire? When do you want to be able to maybe be financially independent, not necessarily retire, but know that you could stop working if you had to? Because not everybody necessarily wants to stop working, but knowing that you have that financial freedom. Well, it was awesome having you on, Kathy. And like, I've been wanting to sit down. I've been t telling people on, on, on the previous podcast, I'm like, I'm going to have someone like you on and here you are. So it was, it was cool to finally get someone on here that could talk about the inside world of the advisors and the, the wealth managers, wealth planners. Um, if someone wants to get in contact you or track you on social media, do you have anything that you can uh, well, put in the show notes? Yeah, I'm, I'm working on my website because of the fact that I've moved over to new RA. So that hopefully, I mean, eventually be kathyburst.com, but also probably going to have another website as well. But best way right now is to reach me by phone is 781-330-8309. Great. I appreciate having you on. Thank, well, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. I appreciate you having me as well. No problem.